Matthew chapter number 12, and we're going to pick up in verse number uh, 46. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 46. The Bible says, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Now, kind of preface this, beginning of chapter number 12, uh, Mary and Jesus' brothers show up on the scene, and they're basically without. They're, They're not around Jesus. They're at a little bit of a distance, so they're watching what is taking place. And so Jesus is speaking, he's teaching here, he's, he has a, an interaction here with the Pharisees, and his disciples are right there in the midst of everything going on. And we get to the end of this chapter, and the Bible tells us that while he's yet talked to the people, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Verse 47, the Bible says, Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, this is Jesus speaking here, he said, Who is my mother? They kind of, kind of got to laugh at this just a little bit. We're talking about Jehovah God, talking about Jesus Christ incarnate. Somebody says, "Hey, your mom wants to talk to you," and he says, "Who's my mom?" Right? Who's my mom? I'm thinking about the message this morning. Who's your daddy? And I know a lot of y'all, y'all think you're already there. You're already there. You see, man, Dalton. I looked over at Dalton. And Dalton's laughing. I know what Dalton's thinking. Who's your daddy? Jesus says, "Who's my mama?" Who's my mama? That's, what I, that's really what he says. He says, behold, he says, look at verse 48. He says, who is my mother? But then he doesn't stop there. He says, who are my brethren? Now we know this through study of scripture. We want to take a time we can't look at it, but we know this, that Jesus had four brothers. Uh, and so he says, hey, who's my mom? But who's my brothers? I mean, kind of, uh, you would think you would know who your family is, right? Some of us are like, well, brother Andrew, no, I'm just, we would think we would know who our family is. We would think we would know who our parents are, who our brothers are. Then he says this in verse number 50. He says, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now I skip verse number 49 specifically because I want us to go back to verse 49. Because here's really where I want us to get the thought tonight. The Bible says, And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold... My mother and my brethren. If you have your head, the handout, the paper right there, just a half sheet. You say, Brother Andrew, why did you do this? Uh, because I think it's, it's vital for us tonight and the topic that we're going to talk about and look at it from Scripture to maybe have this note in our Bible. Maybe it'd help us when we're praying for brothers and sisters in the church. Maybe it would help us before we get out of the car and before we walk into the building. Maybe it would help us when we get a one call from pastor or from myself or somebody else, maybe it would help us when somebody begins to gossip about another person in the church. Maybe it would help us when we're willing to point out somebody else's faults, but not point out our own. And so tonight we're going to look at this thought, my church, my family, my church, my family. Pastor made a very profound statement a couple weeks ago. And maybe kind of went in one ear and out the other. It was right after the teens finished the, the teen night service. If you remember, he got in the pulpit. Anybody remember what he said? He said, our young people, our teenagers, are not the future. They're not our future. They're our church right now. They're our church right now. Sometimes we look at church and we look at it in the wrong lens. And tonight we're going to look at church this way. Church is family. And I believe Jesus gives us an example here that we can learn from. Father, we thank you for tonight, and Lord, the privilege, the opportunity we have to be in your house. 
Lord, I thank you for this text and Lord, this thought that's been on my heart. And I pray tonight that as we've gathered on this Sunday evening, this we're not here just out of chance. We're not here just out of habit, Lord, but we're out of here. We're here tonight as uh, out of a desire to hear from you. And as we look tonight at this thought, my church, my family, God, I pray that you'd help us to have a heart and a desire for our family. Lord, I know. Uh, Lord, I know there's people in our family tonight that are going through some real trials. And even talking to Pastor yesterday about it, Lord, just breaks our heart to know what some of the things people are going through right now that maybe nobody else knows about, and they've only shared it with Pastor or myself or maybe just a deacon or whoever it might be, but or there's some people in our family, there's some family members in this auditorium tonight that need encouragement. Lord, help us tonight to set aside our own pride, our own ego, our own thought process. And help us to look tonight, Lord, through your eyes, through the lens of Scripture, at not just our church, but our family. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. English novelist Joseph Rudyard Kipling once wrote about families. He made this statement. In describing families, he said, quote, all of us are we, and everyone else is they. You see, a family shares things like dreams, like hopes, desires, possessions, memories, smiles. But at the same time, families also share frowns, frustrations, sadness, heartbreak, pain, gladness. It's been said this, that a family is a clan held together with the glue of love and the cement of mutual respect. A family is a shelter from the storm, a friendly port when the waves of life become too wild. No person is ever alone who is a member of a family. According to a study of more than 500 family counselors done by Focus on the Family, they found this, the following top traits of successful families. Number one, communication and listening. Number two, affirming and supporting family members. Number three, respecting the respect of one another within the family dynamic. Number four, development of a sense of trust, a sense of, 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 of just trust between family members, sharing of time and responsibilities, knowing and understanding right from wrong within a family, having rituals and traditions. Uh, I grew up in a home, I'm, I'm the oldest of seven kids, and, and my dad was uh, active duty in the military, so a lot of times my dad was, was at work at the fire station, or he'd be deployed different places. And there's always some traditions that you have growing up in a military home. And even preparing for this this week, I thought about some of those traditions that I had growing up as a child. Then the last thing they put down here was this, sharing a religious core, or a religious belief within the family dynamic. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ, while here on earth, not only taught about the family, but he demonstrated the importance of family. We find as we study the Gospels of Scripture that Jesus wasn't just always preaching and teaching in the wilderness, or wasn't always just in the temple, wasn't always just uh, out along the roadside, but throughout the Gospels you'll find Jesus where? In the homes of individual people. Think about being Jesus being the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And think about the, 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 the upper room there at the, the Lord's Supper. And you think about all the different interactions that Jesus had. You think about Jesus being in the house when the lame man was let down from the roof. Jesus understood the importance of not only the family dynamic, but also understood the importance of the fellowship within the family. 
Jesus attended the wedding in Canaan of a friend. He said this in Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 14, suffer the little children to come unto me. While he hung upon the cross, he would make this statement, woman, behold thy son, behold thy mother, in John chapter 19, verse 26 and verse 27. But while Jesus understood the significance, if you would, of a physical or an earthly family, our text tonight kind of puts a stop sign up to that. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 46. It says, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? Man, it's, it's, you kind of almost look at this text, and if you just read through it real fast, you're like, How dare he? How dare Jesus look at his own earthly mother? Uh, the woman who carried him for nine months, the woman who was in the stable, the woman who bore him in the manger, the woman who, who, who went through childbirth and, and went through labor and, and went through the, the weaning process and, and went, took him to the temple and, and had to run to Egypt in, in the middle of the night. The, the, he'd look at the woman who did all those things and say, who's my mom? Who is my mother? And then the answer to that question is given in verse number 49. Look what he says. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Here's ultimately what Jesus is doing. He's, he's teaching, he's preaching. Obviously, he's began his, his ministry here on earth. And the Bible tells us and teaches, we're in, we're in Matthew chapter number 12, he's already called out the 12 uh, disciples, the 12 apostles, and the formation, if you would, of the very first church has begun. And Jesus being the pastor, the, the chief shepherd, if you would, he's already started. And as he's dealing with these guys over here, and we'll say it like this, his spiritual family, his earthly family comes on the scene. And he's getting to this point in his ministry where he's recognizing that, listen, not so much significance is based upon the physical family as needs be the spiritual family. So when he's confronted and said, hey, listen, your mom and your brothers, they really want to talk to you. They're here. And there's a lot of background into this text we're not going to get into tonight. But he ultimately looks at what's taking place and he says, there's my mother. There's my brother. And you say, what is he getting at, Brother Andrew? Here's what he's saying. There's my church. There's my family. And Jesus has this mindset tonight that the church is more than just a building. The church is more than just programs. The church is the people, amen? Riverside Baptist Church is, listen, it's not the building. It's not the chairs. It's not the buses. It's not the sound equipment. It's not the pulpit. It's not the choir loft. The Riverside Baptist Church is a church of a, uh, it's made up of a family of saved individuals. And so Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, listen, I understand my mom and I understand my brother and, and I understand the, the significance of a physical family, but what's more important tonight is what he's saying here is this, my spiritual family over here, my disciples, look what he says. He says, and he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold my mother and who? My brethren. Jesus acknowledges the fact, yes, he has an earthly mother. He ha listen, he, he, he understands that. He's not denying the fact that Mary's his earthly mother. He never would have looked, he never would have hung upon the cross and looked down and said, listen, behold thy mother, behold thy son, if he didn't acknowledge Mary as his earthly mother. The fact of the matter is tonight that Jesus was acknowledging the fact that not only was the church established, but the church was a family. Many times we forget that. Many times we look at the church house and we're just like, man, it's just a building. It's just chairs, Brother Andrew, it's just people. And so what happens is, is we have the wrong mindset of church. We'll say it like this, we have the wrong mindset of family. We come into church and we look at one another, whether we're young or old, 
Right, Brother John? Young or old? Amen. Young or old? And we kind of have this mindset of like, yeah, I don't really care about you. All I care about is myself. So here's what Jesus is saying in our text. We're going to dive into this. I understand that's my mom. I understand that's my brother. But these disciples, they're my family. They're my family. They're important to me. And there's, some, there's five traits here I think we can see when we look at Scripture I want us to point out tonight. So let's go over to Romans chapter number 12. We're looking at quite a bit of Scripture tonight. It's going to be a little bit of a different Sunday night service. Romans chapter number 12. I'll give you five things tonight when it comes to my church family. My church, my family. How, how, do we, how should we prize our spiritual family? How do, we, how do we feel about our church family? How do we handle our church family? Because, man, we got a church family that's made up of some very unique people. Right, Brother John? Amen. <laughs> Look at Romans chapter number 12. If you listen fast, we'll be done fast. Amen. We did, I did discipleship last uh, Monday night, and normally we do discipleship from 7 to 9 o'clock, and I was done at 8.10, and everybody was like, I can't guarantee that's going to be like tomorrow night. Can't guarantee that. Can't guarantee that. But if you listen fast tonight, we might get done fast tonight. Look at Romans chapter number 12. Look at, let's skip down to verse number 9. Here's what the Bible says. Now listen, our mindset tonight is this. My church, my family. Hold up, let's real quick before we get into this. Let's not separate church and family, okay? That's not, the, that's not the goal tonight. The goal tonight is for you and I to recognize that when I come to church, it's, it's not just, oh, that's just my church family. That's just my church. No, no, that's family. Family, family, family. Some of y'all would do a whole lot for your family, but nothing for your church family. Did I say that out loud? Oh, we'll do a whole lot for our family, but we won't do anything for our church family. And here Jesus is like, hold up, let me show you an example here. Okay, so let's look at scripture, Romans chapter number 12, and let's look at verse number 9. Okay, here's Paul writing, listen, writing to the Christians in Rome. Here's what he says, verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So point number one. Ready? Point number one. Family members ought to love one another. Family members ought to love one another. Now, I almost put this little tagline in there, but I thought, oh, that'd be really carnal of me. I almost put this tagline in there. Family members ought to love one another, but family members don't have to like one another. No, <laughs> no, no. Let's not go there. Let's not go there, okay? Because I don't think you can find that, that in Scripture where you can love but not like. It, it don't go that way. We'll look at that here in a second. So here Paul writes to the Christians in Rome. He says, let love be without dissimulation. Family members ought to love one another. Well, listen, it's, it's a command that God gives us. Paul says here, let love be without dissimulation. Well, what does, Brother Andrew, what does dissimulation mean? So I looked it up for you. Dissimulation means this, to conceal intentions or feelings by pretense. That means this. That means we say that we love someone, but then turn around and gossip or belittle them every chance we get. We pick out their faults instead of praising their strengths. We look at all the mistakes they've made, but yet we're not willing to look at the mistakes we've made. We're willing to point out all the failures and all the shortcomings, but we never look at ourselves. 
Now, I understand there comes a point in time where God gives uh, our pastor, uh, we'll say it like this, biblical insight sometimes to come and pull us aside and say, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? And there comes a time where our pastor pulls us aside or, or maybe a, 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 an older brother or sister in Christ may pull us aside and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? I noticed something about your life or I noticed something you did or whatever the case is and, and I want to talk to you. Listen, that ought to be done in a spirit and attitude of love. It ought to. Now, does that always happen? No. I, 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 listen, I'm going to be the first one to say that is something I've got to work on. That is something that I've got to work on that when I deal with things that it's got to be done in love. Look what he says in verse 9. He said, let love be without dissimulation. Okay, Paul. Well, what else? He says, abhor that which is evil. He's not saying this, that we should just kind of walk away and just say, well, you know, uh, just let be, let be. I mean, if they want to do that, that's not what he's saying. He said, we ought to abhor evil. We ought to, we ought to call it out. We got to identify it. He says this. He says, cleave to that which is good, but be kindly affectionate one to another. Now, listen, I, I appreciate the, the love and the tenderness that we have here at Riverside Baptist Church. But man, sometimes we can get kind of our, our feathers in a ruffle, if you would. And we get upset at the easiest things. Brother Philip looked at me wrong. Oh. Brother Bauer walked right by me. Wouldn't even shake my hand. Well, did you put your hand? No, I didn't put my hand out. He should have shook my hand. Man, we just get upset about the, let me just say it, the dumbest things in the world. And here's what Paul says. Paul says that you would prefer another over yourself. Can I say it like this? That if, if we're not careful tonight, we look at a church family as this. What can I get from them rather than what can I give to them? We want, listen, we want, we want to suck dry the church family rather than, man, God, what can I do to be a blessing and encouragement to other people? Man, there, there are people in this church tonight that have such a heart for service. Man, there's somebody... I, I'm not even going to mention their name, but there's somebody who comes in and cleans the auditorium. It's taken it upon themselves just in the last couple of weeks by themselves to come in here and clean the auditorium. And it's not like they don't have anything else to do. And they come in and clean the auditorium. And listen, and not complain about it. And not go, hey, what are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? Man, they just have a heart and a desire and a love for the brethren. Look what he says, verse 10. He says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Preferring one another. Man, preferring one another. Well, Brother Andrew, you don't understand. They were mean to me and I'm going to be mean to them. That's not brotherly love. That's not showing love to one another. Here, here's, here's the example that God gives us. In 1 John chapter number 2, listen to what the Bible says. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. John would go on to say this in chapter number 3. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. John saying, listen, you can't tell me that you love the brethren, and you, and you desire the things for the brethren. Listen, you, if you're going to say you love the brethren, you actually have to show it. Uh, I was... I was talking to Crystal about this the other day, this, this, this text, this passage, and, and these points, and she just said to me, she goes, well, what's your definition of love? Man, talk about being called on the carpet. What's your definition of love? Can I, can I say this? That the, the, probably the most basic definition of love is this, that you would prefer someone else over yourself. 
Because listen, we know from the Bible that we love ourselves, but man, it takes work. It takes effort to love someone else. I look back at Carlos Chanel back to man, just got married, just starting out in a married life. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, just keep, just stay faithful. Stay faithful to each other, stay faithful to the Lord. But man, when you get to know somebody and you get to know all their quirks and they don't, they don't squeeze the toothpaste out the right way and they don't put the toilet paper on the right way and they don't pick up their laundry. Man, you can look at somebody like, I gotta love that person. Hey, can I just say like this? Everyone in this auditorium, everyone in this auditorium is different. There ain't, there ain't one person alike. There ain't one person had the same interests as somebody else. So that, listen, that doesn't give us the right not to like each other. That doesn't give us the right not to love each other. God desires that we love one another. But not just that we love one another, listen, but that we would prefer one another. John would go on to say this in chapter 4, verse John chapter 4. He's, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The Bible commands us to love one another. The Bible says, listen, your objective, your desire ought to be as a church family is to love one another. Now listen, I'm not saying tonight that, that we should just turn a blind eye to sin. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any conviction, that there shouldn't, just, oh, you know, you, 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 you've done wrong, it's okay, it's okay, you know, God will forgive you, just, just keep doing it. No, no, I understand tonight that there's accountability, and I understand tonight that there's a repentance that needs to take place in our life. But can I say this tonight, it'd be a whole lot easier for a lot of people if we just love one another. If we would simply love people the way God desires for us to love people. And so when we walk in these doors on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or on Wednesday night, that we would have the right attitude and the right spirit of love. Why? Because there's some people that come into this auditorium that don't understand love. They don't know what love's like. Brother Mike, they're looking at the world and they think, well, that's what love means. And they come into the house of God. And they see people up in the choir singing. They see people come on out. And they see people, don't, they don't talk to anybody. They see people avoid people. They see people be short with people. That's not love. That's not love. We're to assimilate love. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 tells us this. And above all things, have fervent charity love among yourselves for charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins the key word here is fervent which means this without ceasing can be honest with you tonight sometimes it's hard to love people is it not sometimes let's just be honest let's be real sometimes it's hard to love people say well brother andrew it it is difficult i i know it is i know it is but that's why i started off with this being the number one the most difficult one God desires that we love one another. And if my mindset tonight is this, if Jesus would look at his earthly mother and say, who's my mother? There's my mother, there's my brother, and and give us the significance, if you would, of the church and the church being my family, man, I need to recognize tonight, I need to love one another. But then turn over to Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. Number one tonight, family members ought to love one another. But then number two, I want you to notice this in Ephesians chapter number four. 
probably the second hardest thing for us to do when it comes to being a family. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse number, skip down to verse number 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31. Here's what the Bible says. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now notice what, notice what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. And be ye kind one to another. We'll stop right there for just a second. Here's what he says. And be ye kind one to another. Now, Paul doesn't give any pretense before he writes this. So we know this, that it's in the book of Ephesians, so he's writing to the church where? The church at Ephesus. So could we dare say tonight that the church of Ephesus is made up of who? Well, it's made up of Christians, Brother Andrew. It's common sense, right? It's a church. Right, but let's get more specific. The church of Ephesus is made up of what? Men, women, boys, girls, Teenagers. Teenagers. Oh, no, they had teenagers back in Bible times, just in case you were wondering. There was teenagers back then. Teenagers. Look what Paul says. And be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. Hmm. He goes on to say this, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Number two, family members ought to forgive one another. Listen, if family members ought to love one another, number two tonight, probably the second hardest thing to do, is that family members ought to forgive one another. Those without forgiveness harbor resentments. Look at what he says in verse number 31, right off the beginning. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, in a nutshell, he's saying that unforgiveness that wells up, that, that frustration, that willingness, that, let's say this, the lack of a willingness to forgive and forget and move on, it stirs up that bitterness. It stirs up that resentment. It stirs up that anger. And it affects, listen, it affects the spirituality of the family. It affects the spirituality of the church. So I'm 38 years old. I turned 39 the end of October. I've been in church since I was about seven years old. That's a long time. But for some of you, Brother John, you've been in church a lot longer than I've been alive. And I would dare say that every one of us, listen, every one of us has been offended by somebody in the church before. It got real quiet. Every one of us could probably go, Brother Andrew, there was a point in time in my life, whether it's here at Riverside Baptist Church or in another church, where I got offended and I got upset. So let me think. I've been a member of West Charleston Baptist Church. been a member of Liberty Baptist Church. I've been a member of Calvary Baptist Church. I've been a member at Southwest Baptist Church. I've been a member at First Baptist Church of Peaceful Valley. And I've been a member at Riverside Baptist Church. So in my lifetime, I have been a member of six different churches. I wasn't church hopping, just in case you were wondering. I was moving, okay? My dad was in the military. He was moving. Six different churches. So you know what that means? Six different opportunities for somebody to offend Brother Andrew. For my feelings to get hurt. 
for my toes to get stepped on, for me to get all upset about something somebody did or something somebody said. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because look what the Bible says, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Man, I'm so thankful tonight. I'm so thankful tonight that God forgave me of my sin. I'm so thankful that on June 10th, 1991, as a seven-year-old boy, I was able to uh, put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, Jesus forgave me of my sin. But I'm thankful that on September 18th, 2022, that I can go to God and say, God, would you please forgive me? And guess what? God does forgive me. But the disconnect when it comes to my church and my family is that I expect God to forgive me, but yet I won't forgive another brother or sister in Christ. And that's where the struggle lies. Man, Brother Angie, now you're, first you're telling me I have to love my brethren, my family. Now you're telling me I have to forgive them? Yes. Better yet, I'm not telling you. God is. God says right here that we're to forgive one another. But he doesn't just say forgive. Notice what he says in verse 32. Listen, listen to the words he uses here. And be ye kind one to another. Watch. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See, as believers, we must be constantly forgiving one another. In what way? Even, listen, I, I think about even as Peter looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother? Remember the story? How I'm mean, seven, seven times? What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Okay, so let me do the math. No, 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 that's not what he was talking about. That wasn't what Jesus was getting at. The point was this, Jesus was getting at, it doesn't matter how many times your brother sins against you, you need to forgive him. You know why? Because God forgave you. God forgave you. And listen, no matter what anybody does to you, no matter what anybody does to me, whether it's inside these walls or outside these walls, it pales in comparison to what you and I have done to a holy and a righteous God. And if we really think about it tonight, we have no excuse, no excuse why we can't forgive one another. My church, my family. So, I have five kids. Three girls, two boys. And I love them. I, I, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong, I do. Where are they at? They're here. Levi, he's, Levi's sleeping. Oh. I love my kids. But you know what, Brother Brett? Sometimes, sometimes that patience gets tested. Sometimes that patience gets tested. Sometimes, Brother Philip, it's like, oh, man, that blood gets boiling. Brother Cole, I'm just kind of like, man, I know you know better. Levi, <laughs> why are you doing I'm going to pick on him because he's sleeping. Why are you doing that, Levi? I know you're so cute and everything else and everybody adores you, but you're wicked. You're a sinner. Right? Right? Anybody, anybody been there with their kids before? <clears throat> then my phone starts ringing. And I look down at my phone. And here's what it says. Mom. I start talking to my mom. I love my mom. She'll be here this week. Love my mom. But she'll bring up something that I did as a teenager, something I did as a kid. Remember when you did this? Hey, listen, my mom forgave me. I can forgive Levi. You see, well, that, that's kind of a petty example there, Brother Andrew. No, no, no. Hold up. We'll come into church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Maybe we'll sing in the choir. Maybe we'll take up the offering. 
hey, maybe we'll teach a Sunday school class, Brother Mike. We'll do all the spiritual things, but deep down inside, we have ought with another brother or sister in Christ, and we're not willing to forgive them. And we'll come to church for weeks, for months, I dare say for years, and something deep down inside of our heart will just be burring in there. And there'll be something inside of our heart. We're not willing to forgive them because, man, they did us wrong. God says this, that we're to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why, Brother Andrew? Why? Why, God? Here's what God says, because I forgave you. Listen, family, 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 family members ought to forgive one another. Ought to forgive one another. Number three, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4, we read this verse just a few moments ago. I want you to look at it. If you don't have it underlined, I encourage you to underline it. Here's what Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. He says, for charity or love shall cover a multitude of sins. Listen, number one, family members ought to love one another. Number two, family members ought to forgive one another. But then number three... Family members ought to overlook each other's faults and weaknesses. Family members ought to overlook each other's faults and weaknesses. Let's just be honest tonight that we have a tendency many times to rush to find fault. Do we not? We, may not, we might not want to admit it, but we're kind of that way sometimes when we deal with our spouse or we deal with our kids or maybe we deal in our work environment. We kind of have the same mindset when it comes to even the church house, our family. We rush to find the fault with a brother or sister in Christ. And so often we are so intent on finding the fault in others that we fail to see the fault in ourselves. We fail to kind of hit time out and take a step back and look at our life and where we're at. Listen, there's, there's no perfect person in this church. No perfect person in this church. I can't remember... Uh, a couple of months ago, I was preaching, and I, I think it was uh, when Pastor was heading out to out to Colorado for a camp or something, and I was preaching away, and I, I can't remember what I was saying, but I made the statement. I said something about uh, I made a statement saying that even Pastor Marshall sins. He texted me that night. And he goes, "Hey, I was listening to the message." He goes, "I don't like you telling people that I sin." <laughs> well, you sin, preacher. We all sin, right? Just keeping it real, right? Got to get off his lawn, though. Get off his lawn. The point is this, is that so often we're willing to point out one another's faults. So Jesus actually addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 3, listen to what Jesus said. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Someone once, I just thought this was a great quote, someone once said this, he said, if we had no faults of our own, we would not take so much pleasure in noticing those of others. I'm going to read that again. I thought, man, that's a good quote. If we had no faults of our own, we would not take so much pleasure in noticing those of the others. Because faults are thick where love is thin. Faults are thick where love is thin. When we're willing to call out everybody else but not assess our own self, 
man, we've got a big problem. Now, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm, listen, I am thankful. I am beyond thankful for the times of my life where godly men and godly women have pulled me aside and said, hey, Brother Andrew, can I talk to you about this? Or I've had a pastor that says, hey, Brother Andrew, can I talk to you about this? Man, I, I've had some amazing conversations with our pastor just the last couple of weeks on a personal level. As for, listen, not as, a, not as a youth pastor to a pastor, not as an assistant pastor to a pastor, but can I just be honest with you, as a church member to his pastor, man, some great conversations where I've been able to open up my heart to my pastor and then him in turn open up his heart to me as a church member. And man, it is so refreshing to go, hey, listen, I noticed this, or hey, what are you struggling about? And I can say, hey, preacher, there's some things in my life right now that I've been praying about. There's some things in my life that I've been struggling with. There's some things in my life that I honestly, I just, I can't put a finger on it, but I know God's been working in my heart about this area of my life, and this area of my life, and this area of my life, and I really feel like God just, God's just raking me through the coals, not to discourage me, not to frustrate me, but to build me up and to edify me and to prune me and to teach me some things. Man, it's so good when a man of God or a woman of God can look at us with a heart of love and a heart of compassion and say, listen, there's some problems in your life, but how dare we go to somebody and say, hey, listen, I want to fix you. You got this problem, and man, we've got two beams coming out of our eyes. I thought about grabbing a two-by-four out of the bus barn at this point and like holding it right here, walking around trying to preach like this. Because, man, we're quick. We're quick to jump on pastor. Man, he needs to do this. He should have done this. Man, we're quick to jump on Brother Andrew or the deacons or somebody else in church. Man, can you believe that they did this or that they said that? Or Listen, can I be honest with you? I, I, there, there's a lot of things that go on that, that just, be, just be very transparent tonight that we don't have all the information for. Man, one of the things I appreciate about Pastor Marshall is the fact that he said this. Listen, if you have a question, come ask. Okay, so there's been a couple times, there's been a couple times, Brother Mike, I've been Hey, can I talk to you? Hey, why did you do this? Why are we doing this? Hey, I'm just wondering. About, sure, have a seat. Let's talk about it. And once I know the whole story, it's like, oh, yeah. I see. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Man, I understand that now. Listen, sometimes we look at situations in life, and all we see is what we want to see. And that beam's sticking right on out. And all we're focused on is our agenda. And everybody else's faults. Listen, I've got faults. You've got faults. Preacher's got faults. Every one of us has got faults. Let's just be honest. The, the ground's level at the cross. But man, we're so focused on that beam and that fault. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1, he said this. He says, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. Listen, Jesus tells us this, to examine our motives and, and conduct instead of judging and jumping to conclusions of others. The traits that bother us and others are often the habits we dislike in ourselves. Let me say that again. The traits that bother us and others are often the habits we dislike in ourselves. Our untamed bad habits and behaviors are the very ones that we most want to change in others. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because that's hitting home. Hey, listen, we're quick. We're quick. And as a church family, my church, my family, we ought to overlook some faults. We ought to overlook, listen, I'm not saying overlook sin. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. But just because Brother Bauer doesn't shake my hand, or just because Brother Mike doesn't give me a wink and go, hey, Brother Andrew, good to see you, or just because Brother Sean doesn't talk to me at church for a month, 
doesn't mean I should be like, well, brother, you've got some major problems. And guess what? God sent me to fix them for you. Can't find that in Scripture. Can't find that in Scripture. Listen, we ought not to look, overlook sin. We ought not to overlook sin. But listen, we ought not to be, uh, uh, we'll call it like this, the Holy Spirit police. Thinking, man, if you would just do this, if you would just do this, if you would just do this. Listen, as church family, family members ought to overlook each other's faults and weaknesses. If we were to be honest tonight, there'd probably be some spouses that would admit tonight that there's some faults and some weaknesses in their spouse. Oh, I got real quiet. There's some spouses that are probably in the course of marriage over 20, 30, 40, 50 years where there's been like some of these conversations like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Brother Andrew, never. Liar, liar. Oh, listen, we're people. We're people. We're made of flesh. We're sinners. And let's just be honest, we like it our way. And we don't get it our way, man, that's when trouble happens. Turn over to Philippians chapter number one. The book of Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. Listen, family members, number one, ought to love one another. Number two, the family members ought to forgive one another. Number three, family members ought to overlook each other's faults and weaknesses. And then number four, family members ought to work together. Man, there ought to be, and, and I'm, I am so thankful. We, Pastor and I talk about this all the time, about the unity here at Riverside Baptist Church. Man, family members ought to work together. Look at Philippians chapter number one and in verse number 27. Here's what Paul would write. He said, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast. And notice what he says here in one spirit. One spirit, one spirit, with what? One mind. One spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There's got to be a, a singularity, if you would, of ministry, that we're working together for the propagation of the gospel. Listen, as a family, let's just be honest tonight, a, a family unit, a husband, a wife, and let's say three or four kids, man, and they all kind of do their own thing, going their separate ways, let's just be honest tonight. It's headed the wrong way. It's headed for failure. Let's just be blunt. It's headed for divorce. It's headed for splinters. But when you get a family that's together, that's on the same path, that's, there's unity, and everybody's going in the same direction, man, what can get accomplished? Some of the people in our church tonight can give testimony of decisions they've made in their life. Maybe let's just say like this. Use this example. Uh, maybe they've made some decisions involving their finances. Man, they were in deep, 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 deep financial debt. Man, they were struggling. They were, they were living paycheck to paycheck. And let's just be honest, pawn shop to pawn shop. And they were struggling. But man, they got on the same page and they became unified when it came to their finances. And God blessed them for it. God worked in their marriage, worked in their finances. And then all that God's done from now, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Can I say this, that the same thing ought to be found within this local family right here. That we as a family, as Riverside Baptist Church, that there be unity in all of us working together as one. Well, what's, what's the purpose of Riverside Baptist Church, Brother Andrew? The gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That souls would be saved. Listen, whether they're here at the altar, 
whether they're in refiners on Friday night, whether they're up in the teen class or Thursday night teen activity, uh, whether at the prison facility, hey, listen, whether at the gas pump giving out a track, whether they're at the checkout line at Walmart, that we would work together for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul said, hey, listen, no matter if I'm there or if I'm absent, here's what I want to see and here's what I want to hear. One mind, one spirit. Listen, a family ought to work together. Ought to work together. And if you're like, well, Brother Andrew, I don't understand the direction we're going. I don't understand pastor's mindset or his heartbeat, or I don't understand what pastor's trying to accomplish. Let me preface something I made, the statement I made a few minutes ago. Go talk to him. Say, preacher, I want to better understand the mission, the objective of Riverside Baptist Church. Preacher, I want to get more involved. Listen, I don't want to be like just part of the church family over here and part of the church family over here. Listen, no, no, no. We got to work together. Family members ought to work together. There's got to be a singular ministry, but also at the same time, there's got to be a singular motive. The motive tonight for Riverside Baptist Church is not to glorify and not to edify one individual person. It's not to glorify, it's not to edify the choir. It's not to glorify and edify the the, the soloist or the quartet. It's not to glorify or edify a certain specific ministry. No, no, the goal of Riverside Baptist Church is to glorify God. We've all got to be on the same sheet of music when it comes to that. And then lastly, number five, turn over to Hebrews chapter number 10. The book of Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 24, the Bible says this, let us consider one another. Well, who's he talking to here, Brother Andrew? He's talking to those that are saved. We'll say it like this, he's talking to you and I. Let's just say it like this, he's talking to Riverside Baptist Church. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Listen, family members ought to work together, but then lastly, number five here, family members ought to want to be together. Family members ought to want to be together. We should desire fellowship with our church family. I was thinking about this this afternoon in just a couple of Probably a couple weeks ago, the Stevens family had a family reunion, and I uh, uh, heard a little bit about the family reunion because Matthew and, and Michael and Miss Christie and Brother Mark got invited to the Stevens family reunion by virtue of their last name. So I'm a little disappointed. I thought about changing my last name, Brother Charles, to Stevens for the weekend, so I get invited. But man, many of you could give testimony tonight that you've had a family reunion, you've had gatherings, and I think about this, that... Uh, 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 maybe Christmas time or Thanksgiving, uh, maybe Easter weekend, whatever the case might be, that some of you get together and uh, you get together with your family and maybe there, maybe there's not necessarily exchanging a gift, but just a time to fellowship together and spend time together. Uh, maybe birthdays, specific birthday parties. You know, Alvin had a birthday party this, this weekend and family came in for that. Man, what a joyous occasion. What a, what a great time just as a family to get together. You realize that we have a family reunion at least three times a week here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We get to gather as a family to get to come together to fellowship and to encourage and edify one another. No, no, 
There, there's, there, I alluded to this, this earlier. There are people in our church tonight. Man, they've, they, have, they have gone through some things this week that only God knows the specifics of. Some of us have gone through some serious trials this last year. We've gone through some serious difficulties. I was sitting outside uh, these doors this morning talking to Brother John Carneal. And Brother Bauer was walking down the hallway. And if I was a visitor, I wouldn't have known the condition Brother Bauer had been in just a couple months ago. I couldn't even tell Brother Bauer. Come strutting on through the hallway like that. Hey, listen, that's a miracle of God right there. Miracle of God. To God be the glory. I remember when he got released from the hospital up in Nebraska, Brother Bauer. I remember that day you drove down. You know the first place he went to when he came back to St. Joe? It wasn't McDonald's. It wasn't work. It wasn't home. It was the church. Family ought to want to be together. You ought to crave and desire to be here when the doors are open. Well, Brother Angie, man, I'm going through a lot. Hey, we all are. We all are. If we were really to just lay everything at the altar tonight, we'd probably be surprised at some of the trials and some of the difficulties individual family members are going through right now. But man, we ought to have a desire to be together. Well, I don't like my church family. I don't like my church family. I don't like my church family. You got a heart condition. You got a heart condition because you ought to prefer your church family. You ought to love your church family. You ought to pray for your church family. Listen, family, family, family ought to want to be together. The perfect church. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues. A church whose deacons always deke, and none is proud and all are meek. Where gossips never peddle lies, or make complaints or criticize. Where all are always sweet and kind, and all to others' faults are blind. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still we'll work and pray and plan to make our own the best we can. Listen, Riverside Baptist Church isn't a perfect church. Never will be. Never will be. But if you're looking for the perfect church, let me let you in on a little secret. There ain't one. It's not good English, but there ain't one. There ain't one, Brother Philip. And we, we know there ain't, there ain't a perfect church. But man, this is a great church. It's a good church. It's a family church. Family members ought to love one another. Do you love your church family? Family members ought to forgive one another. Are you willing to forgive your brother or sister in Christ? Well, they need to come apologize. That's not what I said. Are you willing to forgive a brother or sister in Christ? Are you willing as a family member of Riverside Baptist Church to overlook others' faults and weaknesses? Focus on your own faults and weaknesses. Are you as a family member here at Riverside Baptist Church willing to work together for the furtherance of the gospel? And are you willing 
and desiring and wanting to be together with your church family. So let's wrap it up with this question tonight. How's our family doing? Or better yet, how are you toward your family? How are you and I toward the family that God has given us? Lord, we thank you for tonight and the privilege, the opportunity we have to gather as a church family. Lord, I know tonight that, Lord, none of us are perfect. I dare say tonight, Lord, that there's some men, women, boys, and girls that are going through some things personally, spiritually, whatever the case might be. They're going through some battles in their life. And Lord, I pray tonight that they would know that they have a church family, a real family behind them that loves them. Lord, help us tonight to view the church not just as the building, because it's not, not just as the chairs, because it's definitely not, but help us tonight, Lord, to view the church as our family. Help us to love one another, to forgive one another, to prefer one another. Lord, maybe tonight we've fallen short in really loving our family like you would desire for us to love them. Maybe tonight we've looked at a brother or sister in Christ and we have ought against them. No particular reason, we just don't like them. Maybe tonight we have a hard time forgiving somebody because of something they've done or they've said. Maybe even tonight we think that we're better. We're a better family member than somebody else is. God, whatever the case is tonight, I pray that you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to examine our heart and our life. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano's going to play. Let's just do business with God. If you're a member of Riverside Baptist Church tonight, this is your church family. How are you helping out your church family?